Well, thank you, Jerry, for the Sunday School lesson. Appreciate that. And appreciate everyone being with us this morning, whether on the phone or on the live stream. Thank you for sharing this Sunday morning with us. Still a little bit different as we worship in this way and try to encourage each other. And I'm sure for many of you, you're probably a little tired of being in and wanting to get out more. And so I uh, just want to encourage you to uh, be patient, and as soon as we can, we'll be back together as a brotherhood. We thank you for that. <clears throat> I'm going to go through some announcements now, and you notice that we had the uh, prayer request up there for a moment. If you have a prayer request that you would like to be have added to that sheet, uh, put those on the live chat as we're... Uh, During the message, if you want to put those on, Gerald is going to try to grab those and put those on that sheet, and we'll display it a little bit more at the end of the message. We'll have that back up for a little bit. Probably no sound, just have that back up with some display. I may read some of those, uh, go through those for those who are on the phone, and uh, that way you can you can hear them if you're uh, if you're not able to watch them or see them. I'm going to go through the announcements here and go over most of the bulletin, and we, want, we need to do a little bit better job of getting the bulletin to everyone before the Sunday who is not getting it uh, via email, and some of you are not, and that's, that's okay. So we're going to try to get those to you, and, but since we uh, didn't get all of those out to you this week, especially for those on the phone, I'm going to go ahead and read most of the announcements. Uh, first of all, uh, we do ha- we have made some changes to the website, and that is SalemMennonite.Church. If you've not been on that yet, you should be able to access the uh, link each week for the live stream. There's also uh, the bulletins on there. If you try to get the, to the bulletins and you were asked for a password, check your email that Gerald sent out yesterday, and that password to get to those bulletins is in the email if you want to get your bulletin that way. Uh, if you have any prayer requests during the week, let one of the ministry know, and we'll try to get those on so that each week we can have those up on, uh, on the live stream, and we can get those to people so we can be praying for each other during this time. Also, we are planning on having a good Friday service this week on uh, Friday evening at 7 o'clock, and uh, planning to have that live streamed and on the phone as well. Uh, obviously, Council meeting and communion have been postponed. Uh, we'll, we'll see when we get back together, and then we'll come up with some dates for those. Uh, the youth had planned for a fundraiser for next week. Chicken barbecue had been scheduled and uh, deposited down on that. So we did decide to go ahead with that. And so if you would like to help support the youth, uh, a lot of this money going to our mission trip this summer, at least we're hoping we can still go on a mission trip this summer. Uh, we will be set up at uh, the East Lake there, close to the Kroger and Goshen, and also in uh, Granger at the uh, Cirrus Express 66. Chicken is $6 a half and $4 for the potatoes. If you like those pit potatoes, we're going to have those. If you don't want to go out, you want to stay in, but you'd like to have some chicken, uh, let us know. Let one of the youth know or one of the sponsors, and we will get those to you. We'll deliver those and uh, get them to your home. Just let us know uh, how many you'd like, and we'd be more than happy to do that for you. 
The mother-daughter banquet is canceled for this year, but the same Sunday school class will be responsible for next year's. Uh, the Haiti Benefit Auction meat order forms for hamburger, sausage, or pork chops, those are available. And just contact Leroy Martin if you're interested in getting some forms. And Randy Fletcher's uh, correct cell phone number is a little bit different. Check your bulletin for that. And welcome home, Roman and Irene. We're thankful for uh, the work you do for CAM. Thank you for all of that, and welcome back to Indiana. On that email that you would have received last evening, uh, there is an offering schedule on there, so you know what dates, what offerings uh, are for what dates. If you want to contribute to that, there's a way to do that on the website. Uh, I think there was a link and also, uh, you can mail those to Owen. You should have some forms. And if you still have questions about that, let Owen know, and he can take care of that for you. Someone had suggested that, and you'll see this on uh, that email last night, that instead of 911, we practice 113. And that is for each day, uh, you call one person in the brotherhood or maybe someone in your community and encourage them and ask if there's something you can do for them to help them. And then... Think of three people in the brotherhood that you pray for throughout the day and do that each day. And, of course, different people each day and see how we can encourage each other. We had hoped that if we needed to do this uh, limited gathering sizes and also the the, uh, stay-at-home thing for more than a couple of weeks, we could form some small groups and uh, get people together in that way. However... Uh, it's more restricted than it was, and so we're not going to be doing that at least unless, uh, for a time unless they would lift some restrictions and we would be able to um, meet in smaller groups until we are able to meet in larger groups. I believe that's all the announcements that I have this morning. The scheduled offering for this morning would be the trustees fund, and if you are interested in helping with that, you can, again, there's different ways you can contribute. This morning is a very special day in, uh, as we think about it, for Christians. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, we think about getting ready for um, Easter, and we think about Good Friday and those types of things. We think about Palm Sunday comes before that, and this morning I would like to look at some things about Palm Sunday. First of all, let's turn to Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to be looking at verses 28 to 44. So Luke chapter 19. And I'd like to, before we read that passage, I'd like to just have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Sunday school lesson that we had this morning, the things we can learn uh, from your word on our master and who it is and uh, the fact that we can reckon ourselves dead to sin. Lord, I just thank you for... Uh, the possibility and uh, to serve you in a way that uh, is truly having you as the master of our lives. God, I pray that you would just uh, be with me now as I share this message. I ask, Lord, for your words and your spirit in a special way, and that you would just uh, guide us through this. Lord, bless those that are helping to make this possible, uh, to be able to be heard and seen uh, by the brotherhood and others. And Lord, just bless each one. Lord, help us to have a week that is uh, one that thinks about you and serves you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
This morning, I did put together uh, some slides for the message, PowerPoint, and since we did not have a special children's class this morning, uh, there are some pictures included in that that your children may uh, enjoy seeing as we go along, and it may help you as well to just picture some things about Palm Sunday and the week there. And as we go through it, uh, we'll be switching back, and you'll be able to see some of those. And, and so I encourage you, if your children are there, to tell them there's some things that they might be interested in to help them visualize this week. Let's read uh, Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. <clears throat> it says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. It came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a coat, a colt tied, whereon yet never man set. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why you loose him, then shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and cast their garments upon the colt and set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. When he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that he had seen, that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitudes said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he had come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belongeth unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation." And he went in under the temple and began to cast them out that sold therein and that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes, of the, um, scribes and chief of the people sought to destroy him. I'd also like to take a look at Matthew and read the account there, a few verses anyway of that account. Um, you will find this in each of the Gospels, this account, and each one has a few little uh, differences in them as far as things that are emphasized. <clears throat> so in Matthew 21, I'll read verses 1 through 11. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and came to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, they then sent Jesus to disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man ought, say ought unto you, Ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, sitting upon an ass, and the colt of a foal of an ass. 
And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them on, put their put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strewed them in the way. And the multitude went before and cried, followed, following, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we was coming to Jerusalem. All the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Now this was prophesied uh, before we, uh, that it was going to happen. And we can see one of those in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. I'd like to turn to that and read that passage. In Zechariah chapter 9, it talks about Jesus coming in this way. It says here, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just. Now notice in this passage there are some things that that we didn't necessarily see in the gospel uh, more expressed here. It says, He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. It's also mentioned in Isaiah 62. And we'll look at that verse as well. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 11, it also prophesies of this. It says, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say ye uh, to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Again, it mentions salvation. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. I want to go also to another passage. We see the, the term here, um, and this is a picture that your children might enjoy, as he comes to Jerusalem, uh, but he's still over on the other side of the Mount of Olives. And as he comes there, there's a great multitude. Now keep in mind that this is Palm Sunday uh, week. Well, they wouldn't have thought of it as Palm Sunday, but this was uh, the Passover week. And you had multitudes of people coming to Jerusalem. The town was full. And as you came over this this hill and you looked out over Jerusalem, uh, and we'll look at a slide in a moment, that people that had never been to Jerusalem would have just been awed with the picture that they saw as they looked out over the city. And you can still go there and come down this pathway and look out over the city. Now, it looks much different, and yet there are things that are still very much the same as they were at this time. But as he comes down, he comes there to the, the top of this mountain and Mount Olives, and, and, and there were those that had prophesied that the Messiah would be on the Mount of Olives. And he looks out over the city, and people began to cry out, and people began to, uh, to, to worship and to praise him. Now, in that setting, there were some scoffers. There were some that didn't like this, and they raised their voice against it. And as a matter of fact, they said... Uh, you know, Master or uh, Jesus, why don't you stop your disciples from saying this? To them, it was blasphemous because he was basically claiming to be the Messiah. And they said, that's blasphemy. And Jesus said, if, I, if these people would stop praising me and worshiping me, then the very stones would cry out. And I thought about something. 
when, when I read that verse this time that I had never thought about before, if you go there today, that mountain is basically covered, and even the valley, with, with graves. And many of those graves have stones over them. And if the people that those stones are there to represent, if they could cry out, what would they say about the Messiah? They would all proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah. So there are still stones there, and there are many gravestones. What, if you walk through a cemetery today, what do the stones cry out to you? It's interesting. Some of the stones are huge and try to portray that this person was really something. Some are smaller, some are pretty plain, and some have Bible verses on them. But what really is represented there is what did the person that this stone represents, what did they say about Jesus, the Messiah? That's what's really important. When a stone is there as a memorial for you, what will that stone say? Well, it will, talk, it will say something probably about you, but what will you have said about the Messiah when you're in this life? So we go back to uh, Luke chapter 19. We see Jesus here coming, and, and one of the things that they mentioned that was said in Matthew is it talks about the fact, it mentions the word Hosanna. In Psalm, and I'll, uh, Psalm 118.25, and I'll actually read verses 21 through uh, 26 here, and it's up there on the slide for you. It says, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me. Thou art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. Obviously a reference to Jesus. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. A very common, familiar verse. And then it comes this verse. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. That word there, save now, in verse uh, 25, in the Hebrew is basically where we get the word Hosanna, which means to save, to save now, is what it's basically saying. And so as they cried Hosanna, it was basically saying, the idea was to save us, O King, or save us, our Messiah. Is it any wonder that those who were listening were, were frustrated or concerned over this? But the question is, this morning, have you said, have you said, save me, O Lord? Have you cried out? Have you made Hosanna something in your life? Is Hosanna mean something to you? Do you truly want Jesus Christ to be the King and Savior. And so when they were crying out, save us, Hosanna, that's what it means, save us. It was a thing of adoration. Now as Jesus came closer here, it says that he wept over the city. Now on that slide there that you see, that is very similar to how it probably looked at the time of Christ. Now you still come over that hill and You'll see the Temple Mount there. You'll see, unfortunately, the Dome of the Rock on top of it instead of a temple. But you see it there as it was. Over in the upper right corner of the Temple Mount, you'll see somewhat of a little fortress there. That was the Antonia Fortress, 
filled with a Roman garrison, originally put there by Herod, uh, named after Mark Antony. It was put there as a way to guard and protect the temple, mount, the, the work that Herod had done here for the Jews. I believe at this time it was probably a frustration to the Jews. They were not happy to have the Romans right there, so close to them. And possibly that was one of their concerns, as people were crying out, save us king, basically. Don't let the Romans hear this. They'll be upset because somebody's talking about a king, and then we're going to be in trouble. And so they were concerned about what maybe the people thought. But as you look down over this, the beauty of this, the temple here, If you had never been to Jerusalem, and yet you were a a Jew who wanted to worship God, and you you wanted to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, and so one day you made your pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and you came up over the Mount of Olives, and you looked out at this, I believe that anything that had ever been told to you about what it looked like, probably just suddenly uh, all the things that you had heard went into into the distance in your memory, because now you actually see it. You actually can see it with your own eyes. Jesus looked out over this, and what did he see? It says that he wept. He wept over this. He says here, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. So what are some of the things that he, that he saw there? I think he saw the history of the city, which included certainly the, uh, the fact that right here, Abraham would have offered his son Isaac, would have went up there for an offering. Uh, not only that, he saw the fact that God was going to offer his own son there, If you look there in that slide, when Jesus looked out over that city, he could see the very spot where he would be crucified in just less than a week. He saw the beauty of the temple as he looked out over the city. He saw the wealth, the splendor, and he observed the religious system, no doubt. But he could also see the hearts of the people. Now, I want to ask you this question this morning. We'll come back to this a little bit as we go through the message. But when Jesus looks over your temple, he looks over my temple, and I'm talking now about us, our body, our hearts, our soul. What does he see? What does he see when he looks over some other things? One of the things that he saw here was um, he could see uh, what others were too blind to see. And sometimes that's the way it is with us. There are things that we're too blind to see, and yet he can see them. But one thing he saw for sure was the coming destruction of the city. In less than a week, there were going to be people that were going to be crying out to Jesus saying, or crying out to Pilate, basically, let his blood be on us and on our children. In a very short period of time, Approximately 35 to 40 years later, maybe 40 years, this city was destroyed. That temple was destroyed. The walls were destroyed. The prophecies about that were, were come, come to be. 
Jesus saw that was what was going to happen. He could see it in his mind. He knew what was going to happen, and he wept. So I was thinking about this. Uh, What does Jesus weep over today for us? What does he think of when he sees our nation? Does he weep over our nation? Saying, if only, if only you knew the time of your visitation. Here I was. There were Christians in the land. There were Christians preaching. There were Christians teaching. What about for our community? Does he look at our community? For us here, it's Elkhart County. Maybe you're listening from another area or watching from another area. And he looks over your community and he sees the wealth and he sees the prosperity and he sees our churches. Does he weep? Does he see things that we won't see? What about for me or for you? Does he weep over those things? I hope he doesn't have to weep over what's going on in my heart, but I do believe that he weeps over the fact that there are many, many, many who do not trust him, do not follow him, and he can see the destruction that is coming to their souls and the wrath that will be poured out someday. And I trust that for us, when he looks upon us, he looks upon us with a smile rather than weeping because he sees that we love him and we trust him and we have said, Hosanna, come save us, dear Lord. Well, he comes into Jerusalem, and as he gets closer, I believe the people were still following him, and they were still um, worshiping him, and you can see that there as as the people were, look, there's joy in their faces. I believe the artist that drew this uh, picked up something on the, the the beauty that uh, just is portrayed in the faces of the people as they come into as he comes into Jerusalem, they're excited for him to be there. Are you excited for Jesus Christ to be in your heart, in your life, and a part of of your everyday living as your Lord and Savior? But when he comes into town, I read the passage there where it says that he cleansed the temple. Now in this town right now because of the fact that it was Passover week, they were, many of these homes, they were cleaning their homes, getting rid of any leaven that was there. They wanted to get rid of the leaven that was in their homes. And that still happens today. There are uh, restaurants, Jewish restaurants, kosher restaurants, that when uh, this week comes, they go in and they, they make sure there's no leaven anywhere, to the fact that sometimes they'll even take torches and burn into the crevices of their, of their stainless steel table and workware and so forth. No leaven, because it goes back to the fact that when the Passover started, they didn't have time to put leaven and let their, their bread rise. They did it without leaven. And so when it came to Passover, there was to be no leaven. And so people were cleansing their homes. And Jesus looks at his father's house and says, let's clean that up too. Let's cleanse that. It's not just the homes of the people that need to be cleansed. And so Jesus comes in and he cleanses the temple. And we looked at that in Luke chapter 19, uh, verses uh, 45 to 48. And here's a picture of what it might have looked like. I don't know. There are a lot of different ideas of how it looked as Jesus cleansed the temple. But he certainly sent the people out. And he got rid of it. He said, get out of there. Don't do this. You're, you're, you're turning what is supposed to be a house of prayer into a den of thieves. And if my heart 
is a heart that is not a, a heart of prayer, but one that is taking advantage of other people, and one that is uh, taking advantage of uh, a particular religious time, as it was here when people were coming and they needed sacrifices and they were overcharging and they weren't uh, changing the money correctly. They had a lot of different money and so forth. We'll not go into all of that, but if my heart is anything like that, it needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be a house of prayer. Now, there's something that happens here uh, shortly after this. You'll notice that in this particular picture that Jesus is teaching the people there in the temple. The Bible says that he, he taught the people, and he spent some time teaching them. But there were those in authority that came and questioned him. It doesn't appear that they questioned him that day, but it appears as though as they thought about this thing, they got to thinking, what gives this man the authority to come into this temple and tell us how something should be done? There was a question of authority. And we'll look at that question of authority here in Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, following the passage we had already looked at. So I'll read that, Luke chapter 20, 1 through 8, it says, And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders. So there was a bunch of them. And spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? Now, Jesus is a brilliant obviously, wisdom beyond any human mind. But the way he reacted to questions like this is just amazing. He didn't answer their question. He could have. He didn't. Notice what he says. And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Now, I don't think that these men were expecting to hear any kind of a question having to do with the baptism of John. Where did that come from? The baptism of John. We're not talking about the baptism of John. We're talking about who gave you authority. But he asked him that question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Now, notice how they reasoned. They did not look for truth. They looked for a way to get out of this and for their own good. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then believed ye not him? But, and if we say of men, all the people will stone us, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. And by this time, there was probably quite a little group of people had gathered themselves around and wondered, what's going on here? Remember, Jesus was teaching the people, so there was already a group of people. And these scribes and Pharisees and these elders, they came up and they questioned him, thinking, okay, we're going to show these people. And suddenly they find themselves in a trap, and they look at these people and they say, if we say this was not from heaven, they're going to stone us. So they said, they answered that they could not tell whence it was. And Jesus said unto them, Neither tell you I by what authority I do these things. The fact is, the authority on both of those things came from heaven. John's authority came from heaven, or John's uh, being a prophet in his baptism came from heaven, and Jesus' authority came from heaven. 
Jesus didn't have to say, really, what that was. But his authority came from heaven. Here's what I want to ask you. Have you given Jesus the authority in your life to cleanse your temple? In other words, have you made him um, Lord of your life? Have you cried Hosanna? Have you made him Lord? And if you have, have you taken that step to allow him to truly cleanse your temple? I'd like to look at 1 Corinthians, a few different verses here. We'll turn, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verses 16 um, and 17. And notice what it says. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Notice in this story of Jesus going into the temple, he sees that there are things in the temple that are not holy, and so he cleans it up. But the fact is, it didn't change the hearts of the people in Jerusalem. It did change the particular setting at that time, and I believe he did it for, uh, to show us an example, and he gave them an opportunity, but it really didn't change them. So what happened? 35, 40 years later, God destroyed that temple, or God allowed it to be destroyed. In this particular passage, it says, ye are the temple of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's living in you. If you defile that temple with sin and unholiness and unrighteousness and lust and envy and all those kinds of things, uh, and that can be, you can, de- you can defile the temple of God uh, with things that are sinful, whether it's in the mind, whether it's actual sin, whether it's things you put in your body that shouldn't be there and so forth, different ways to defile that. But the fact is, if we do that and we don't allow Jesus Christ to have authority to cleanse our temple, our actual lives, our hearts and our souls, he will destroy us. Now, we might live a fine life here. We might not actually be destroyed here. But if we do not give Jesus Christ authority to cleanse our temple and to live for him, at some point, sometime, we will face the wrath of God. Turn over to uh, chapter 5 of this same uh, book, and we'll see this carried on a little bit more. In chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Now this goes back to what was going on Uh, in Jerusalem during this very time. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That is what Jesus Christ wants from us. He wants us to be cleansed out. He wants the leaven out. He wants to sin out, and he's the one that can do that. If we say, well, I'll take care of this on my own. I'll do it. I'll just, I'll just stop doing this. I'll stop doing this. It won't work. It won't happen. We'll end up like the temple in Jerusalem where it, it didn't stop. It didn't, it didn't cease because their hearts weren't changed. Now, some people's hearts were changed, but the temple was still destroyed because they went on practicing the things that they were practicing So I want to ask you a question this morning. Um, Are you a Hosanna crier or a crucifier? 
Maybe that's a question for you to think about. Are you a Hosanna crier or a crucifier? Why do I ask that question? Because a few days later, and I don't know, some people like to say, well, these same people that were crying Hosanna were crying crucify him. And I don't know if that's true. I wouldn't be surprised. Some of the same people may have been in that setting. But there were a lot of people in Jerusalem, and there were a lot of people that were out to get him. And I'm not saying that any of those who had cried Hosanna were at the scene that morning when they were crying, crucify him. But we're going to, in our lives, basically cry one thing. We're going to either cry, Hosanna, Lord save us, or we will be a crucifier. And the reason I say that is if you look at Hebrews, it says there that we, if we fall away, even if we've been saved, we fall away and we go out and we sin willfully, that we crucify him afresh. We become a crucifier of Christ rather than a Hosanna crier. And I think that's extremely important for us to think about. What is my life showing? Well, Jesus can be your Messiah. And we can come to him with a heart that cries Hosanna. And I'd like to look at some of the things here now and compare them to what was happening as Jesus was coming into town. So we can come to him with a heart that says, Hosanna, be our Lord. They were praising him for being the great Messiah. And so we can praise him for that. If we truly come to him with a heart that says, God, save us, and he does, which he will if we, if we are sincere in that, then we can praise him and we should be praising him. We can praise Him at a time like this. We can appraise Him um, at any time. We can praise God for the great things He can do, and that He does. Do we weep for the things that He weeps for? You know, sometimes in this life, it seems like, at least for me, I, I, get, I get sad or frustrated over things that maybe don't go the way I want them to go, and, and I get frustrated about this or that. And, and well, what about the things that make Jesus weep? What about the things that, that cause him sadness and, and cause him to, to look over a group of people or maybe my own heart and say, oh, if only you had known, if only, if only, if only you would allow me to bring you that peace. That was one of the things he said in that setting. If you had only known that the peace was right here, they thought they could have peace in other ways. Do I weep for those things or do I weep for things that really to God he looks at and it's like, why would you care about that? Why does that make any difference? Why is that an issue? Why not just trust me? Come to me. Trust me. Weep for the things that I weep for. Weep for the lost neighbor, not the lost dollar. Right now we've seen the economy taking quite a turn because of everything that's going on. And we don't know where that's going to end. And, and we can be disturbed about that. What about the neighbor who's been lost for years and is still lost? Have, do we care? Do we weep for the things that he weeps for? As he comes into our hearts, do we allow him to cleanse our temple and to keep it clean? That's the question. We can have an initial cleansing, sanctification, we can call it. But do we want him to do an ongoing sanctifying work in our life? Can you imagine if the, the temple leaders there in Jerusalem would have said, Jesus, 
you know what? You were right. We have made this place a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer. Would you just stick around and, and, and help us? And if we get things a little out of line again, we want you to get things back in line. Help us. Help us keep things the way God would want them to be kept. It would have made a huge difference. Now, we can do the same thing in our lives. We can say, oh, yes, clean, clean me up. But then do we want him to continue to be there and to continue to clean us up from day to day? And then later in that week, Jesus went to the cross to die for us. Are we willing to be crucified with him? The Bible says that we need to be crucified with him. Jerry spoke to that a little bit in, our, in the Sunday school time, the fact that we reckon things in our lives to be dead. And so are we willing to be crucified with Christ? The things that maybe mean a lot to us or things that, that we're drawn to that are contrary to the will of God and the heart of God, are we willing, are we willing to crucify those things daily? Well, I trust this week, as you think about um, the Passover week, as we think about the fact that Jesus uh, was crucified, he suffered, he died, but praise God, he rose again. Praise God, he rose again. But if you think about this week, I hope some of the things that were in the message this morning will maybe speak to you that where are you with allowing God to be the Lord of your life? Is he the one that is your saving king? Is he your Messiah? Is he truly the one that you are willing to allow to cleanse your heart, your soul, and your temple? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and that if we allow you to, you clean us up and you keep us clean. And Lord, when those things come into our hearts and into our lives that uh, cause you to weep, Lord, that you remind us of those things. Thank you for that, Lord, that you bring those things to our attention. And I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to do that in my heart. Lord, help me to never want to keep you from cleaning my heart and my soul. And I pray, Lord, for each one listening or watching this morning that you would just work in each one's hearts. Help them, Lord, to just truly want your cleaning in their souls. And Lord, we just want to praise you and lift you up as they did that day so long ago, that you are truly the Messiah, and we want to cry out to you, Hosanna. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.